part two chapters three and four of perkins the faker a travesty on reincarnation by edward s van zyle this librivox recording is in the public domain how chopin came to remsen chapter three biographical data and to meet us nectar fountain still poured forever forth their blissful rill forcibly we broke the seal of things and to truce bright sunny hills our wings joyously were soaring schiller it was a real relief to get into the library tom felt it and his face soon resumed its normal expression the heavy shadows beneath his eyes remained but there had come a flush into his cheeks and he carried himself with the air of a man who has a purpose in life and is in a fair way to accomplish it i remember that the idea came into my mind that tom had assumed the attitude of a lawyer who has been retained by the prosecution and has but little time in which to prepare his case i had grown tactless i fear in my change of mood for i was indiscreet enough to say as tom seated himself beside the library table leaving it to me to find the books that he wished to consult in the case of winifred remsen and others against the late frederick francois chopin charged with housebreaking and breach of the peace tom turned instantly and a gleam of anger flashed in his eyes as they met mine if you cannot treat this matter with the seriousness that i think it deserves winifred you would do well to retire it's no joke when i make a donkey of myself before a lot of perfectly respectable people i consider it a matter of some importance you don't seem to grasp the full horror of it all i suppose that i'm liable to have another attack at any time in fact it may become chronic i have of late come across very curious psychical phenomena in a professional way winifred and i insist on taking every precaution before you are forced to place me in the hands of the alienists Tom i cried in horror and remorse you mustn't talk like that there's nothing the matter with your mind i'll admit that i can't explain what happened to-night but i'm sure that it was not caused by any mental trouble on your part there is doubtless some very simple and commonplace explanation of your-your call it seizure suggested tom curtly what do you find there i carried a little armful of books to the table and placed them within tom's reach here's a life of chopin by niecks i said frederick chopin by franz liszt here's joseph bennett and karasowski and the histoire de ma vie by george sand and here are willoughby and madame audley and i think i have that'll do for to-night remarked tom seizing the volume nearest to his hand what kind of a chap was this chopin anyway he was simply fascinating i remarked indiscreetly hm growled tom angrily not very respectable i suppose you mean george sand she was a woman wasn't she how did she happen to write his life what did she know about him i have called tom a philistine perhaps that was too harsh a term to use but i'm sure there is a good deal of the puritan about him she used to see a good deal of him i answered rather lamely they were great chums for a while hm growled tom throwing aside george sand's work and opening another presently he began to read biographical scraps aloud for all the world like an angry police official drawing up a sweeping indictment against a man of genius the little frederick duly received the name of frederick francois after the son of count charbeck who stood as his grandfather began tom we are told that he very soon showed a great susceptibility to musical sounds 
although hardly in the direction which we would have expected for he howled lustily whenever he heard them tom looked up from the printed page and our eyes met that's a curious coincidence winifred he remarked musingly it's a family tradition that i used to yell like a young indian whenever they tried to sing to me in my babyhood a rattle-box would quiet me but the sweetest lullaby always made me howl but i must get on chopin began well didn't he there was silence for a time as tom feverishly scanned the pages of his book the dickens listen to this he exclaimed presently during his ninth year he was invited to assist at a concert for the benefit of the poor he played a pianoforte concerto the composition of adalbert gerovetz a famous composer of the time tom placed the book on the table and held the pages open with his hand as he glanced at me over his shoulder if he played that kind of thing at nine years of age winifred there was something uncanny about it it was just as unnatural as what happened to me to-night i'm beginning to formulate a theory about this kind of thing my dear tom placed the open book face downward and turned squarely toward me music you see may be like electricity imprisoned as it were in a universe of both conductors and non-conductors it may be that a temperament like mine for instance that is permanently a non-conductor might under given conditions become temporarily a conductor chopin played like a master at nine years of age he had become a conductor and remained so permanently when he howled at music as a baby he was still a non-conductor just as i had been up to to-night or rather last night possibly the conditions that made me a kind of spasmodic music-box with the chopin peg pulled out may never occur again what do you think winifred doesn't all that sound reasonable before i could formulate a sensible answer to a not very sensible proposition tom had resumed the perusal of his book he appeared to me like a man fascinated against his will by a line of investigation that he had begun as a disagreeable duty but i was glad to see that he had regained full control of himself and that his countenance no longer displayed traces of intense mental disquietude he was a pretty lively boy remarked tom a few moments later listen winifred at school frederick was a prime favourite and was always in the midst of any fun or mischief that was going on his talent for mimicry was always extraordinary and has been commented on not only by george sand and liszt but by balzac tom gazed at me musingly do you consider that significant my dear he asked with a seriousness that struck me as both ludicrous and pathetic i was getting worried by tom's persistence in this futile line of endeavour it's nearly three o'clock tom remsen i cried standing erect come upstairs at once it won't be fair to your clients for you to get to your office fagged out for lack of sleep sit down winifred he said peremptorily it's little use i'll be to my clients until i find out what happened to me in the music-room suppose that i should have an attack of what shall i call it chopinitis in the court-room i should suddenly begin to sing or perhaps whistle a what do you call em pianoforte concerto what would the judge say i'd be disbarred winifred for indecent exposure of musical genius no i'm going to find out more about this strange affair here and now i was forced to reseat myself protesting silently against tom's absurd stubbornness i endeavoured in vain to shake off a feeling of uneasiness that was creeping over me 
a sensation that was closely akin to fear of the phlegmatic man who sat before me motionless and calm pursuing a course of study that had been inspired by a most untenable supposition what had chopin to do with the matter what difference could it make to tom whether the latter had been one kind of man or another it was ridiculous to assert that in chopin's personality might be found an explanation of the curious incident that had made my musical so memorable my prejudice against spiritualists christian scientists theosophists and other eccentrics had been i had believed shared by my husband but there he sat at three o'clock in the morning trying to find among the biographical data before him some explanation of his recent seizure that must of necessity lean toward the occult that a well-balanced rather materialistic lawyer whose mental methods were habitually logical should suddenly begin to dabble in psychical mysteries in this way frightened me the more the longer i weighed tom's words and actions in all their bearings nevertheless i was forced to admit to myself that he had never looked saner in his life than he did at that moment as he turned from his book again and gazed straight into my tired eyes he was a very flirtatious chap winifred and very fickle listen to this although of a peculiarly impressionable and susceptible disposition and as a not unnatural consequence more or less fickle where women were concerned chopin's love affairs did on more than one occasion assume a serious aspect he had conceived a fancy for the granddaughter of a celebrated master and although contemplating matrimony with her he had at the same time in his mind's eye another lady resident in poland his loyalty being engaged nowhere and his fickle heart concentrated on no one passion one day when visiting the former young lady in company with a musician who was at the time better known in paris than he himself she unconsciously offered a chair to his companion first so piqued was he at what he considered a slight that he not only never called on her again but dismissed her entirely from his thoughts do you begin to see winifred what a queer fellow he was really i am inclined to think i was standing erect gazing at him angrily if you are joking tom i exclaimed having lost all patience i think you are displaying most wretched taste if you are really in earnest i am very sorry for you i am going to bed i hope i'll find you fully recovered at breakfast he did not seem to be at all impressed by my exhibition of temper wait just a moment winifred he suggested his eyes fixed on his book here it is about george sand their first meeting you know wait i'll read it to you i shall not wait tom Ramsen i cried chopin's love affairs are nothing to me and they should be nothing to you good night this is my last word good night as i reached the door i glanced over my shoulder tom seemed to have forgotten my existence he had plunged again into the dust heap of an old scandal that seemed to fascinate him tom Ramsen, who had hitherto always deprecated and avoided that kind of research chapter four signorina molatti and thou too when on me fell thine eye would disclose thy cheeks deep purple dye schiller two days went by and while i still pondered the great mystery and kept a close watch on tom i had begun to hope that the exactions of his profession had led him to abandon his effort to explain what he had called his seizure he had been busy of late with the technicalities involved in the formation of a new trust and his mind seemed to be wholly engrossed by this gigantic task by tacit consent we had both avoided all reference to my recent musical and its weird and inexplicable outcome 
at times i was almost inclined to believe that tom had forgotten chopin and all his works as for myself i could not recover a normal state of mind for the first time in my life i felt an admiration for the very characteristics of my husband's make-up that hitherto had annoyed and wearied me his ability to rebound at once from the shock that he had sustained filled me with both envy and amazement i had begun to realize that the mental poise of an unimpressionable unimaginative man is a very desirable and praiseworthy possession i regretted at times that i could not throw myself into some despotic occupation that should demand all my physical and mental energies as yet i had not found the courage to face the world and its questionings for two days i had denied myself even to my most intimate friends not excepting mrs jack van corlear who had hurried to me on the day succeeding my musical i knew that my callers were actuated by a not unnatural curiosity and i lacked the nervous energy to face people who would politely claim the right to know why tom had always concealed his genius as a pianist i think i fully understand the set in which i move we dearly love a new sensation without leaving my house or receiving a single visitor i could readily grasp the fact that the leading topic of conversation in society at the moment revolved around tom remsen as a masterly interpreter of chopin chopin i had begun to hate the name but i had not been able to resist the temptation to spend many hours in the library poring over the books that dealt directly or indirectly with his personality and achievements the temporary enthusiasm that tom had displayed for research into the life of frederick chopin bade fair to become a permanent passion in my case i devoted whole afternoons to playing in my amateurish way his waltzes mazurkas nocturnes and ballads one of the latter his opus forty seven i had not the audacity to attempt somehow tom's recent rendition of the piece seemed to stand as a barrier that it would be sacrilege for me to cross nevertheless i longed to hear the ballad again and was almost tempted to ask tom to play it to me alone that he was wholly incapable of repeating his recent performance my mind refused to believe i had returned almost unconsciously to my first conviction that my husband had wilfully deceived me for years regarding his musical ability i sat poring over an english criticism of chopin's posthumous works late one afternoon when a card was brought to me in the library that tempted me to come out of my self-imposed retreat it bore the name signorina molatti in the half-light of the drawing-room the girl looked handsomer than in the glare of evening lamps her dark oriental beauty was at its best in the subdued glow of early twilight she was dressed in a rich but quiet parisian costume and i felt that her attractiveness increased the further she was removed from signor torino mademoiselle vanoni and the other noted artists with whom she associated nevertheless i realized that my manner was cold and unsympathetic as we seated ourselves and i awaited her pleasure having had business dealings with the signorina i was not willing to admit that she could assume the right to call on me as a social equal but patrician blood must have flowed in molatti's veins for she sat there silent and calm and my skirmish line was driven back i spoke first the self-confidence in the girl's smile hurt me it is a pleasure signorina to have an opportunity i had not hoped for to thank you again for the great pleasure you afforded my guests the night before last but it is a me signora who is in the debt of you said molatti in her soft musical broken english i have a comma to you to thank you and to ask a little favour 
signora ramsen oh it was so wonderful so vera wonderful i have a way to doll my little life for it i stared at the girl in astonishment her enthusiasm her gestures the brilliant glow in her dark eyes offended me and eat what was eat for which she had waited all her life yes i remarked interrogatively her fervour was not cooled by the iced water of my question mark listen to me signora i have a worshipped chopin since i was a little girl i have a heard of all of the greater interpreteries of the maestro but i have never heard of chopin in my dreams see si, signora but never in my hours that are awake but i come a here signor remsen he play a chopin it was no dream it was the soul of the maestro speaking to the soul of me it was a wonderful so vera wonderful conflicting emotions warred within me i hardly dared speak lest i should either laugh or cry hysterically with lips compressed i sat motionless staring at the girl into whose eloquent eyes there had come a pleading look that suggested tears signor ramsen she murmured presently like a devotee who breathes the name of an idol do you think a signora that he would let me hear him play again pity me signora i cannot sleep i cannot eat i crave only the music of the maestro music that i have heard only once in my little life signor remsen if he would permit me just once to accompany him on my little violin oh signora i could then die happy i should have lived just a little while and then i would not care but now i am so unhappy so vera miserable i was too nervous to stand this kind of thing any longer i rose and molatti faced me erect at once you pay my husband's talent a great compliment signorina i said coldly but i cannot take it on myself to answer you in his name however i shall present your request to him and let you know at once what he says a diabolical impulse came over me and i added of course mr remsen would not wish you to starve signorina nor to die a horrible death from insomnia the girl spiked my guns if that be the right expression by a merry musical laugh you are so very kind she cried i kiss your lovely hand before i could prevent it she had touched my outstretched hand with her red smiling lips then she took her departure i returned to the library in a condition that verged dangerously on complete nervous collapse at dinner that evening tom was unwontedly silent as i glanced at him over my soup there was something in his face that suggested thoughts not connected with the pepper and salt trust i was soon to become accustomed to this expression and to identify it in my mind as chopinesque aren't you feeling well to-night tom i ventured presently noting that he was drinking more wine than usual a bit tired winifred he answered absently then his eyes met mine and i saw that he was worried i had planned to fulfil conscientiously my promise to signora molatti but the time seemed inopportune i was glad presently that i had refrained from mentioning my caller and her mission 
as we were sipping our coffee tom tossed an envelope across the table to me i opened it with a chill misgiving it ran as follows mr thomas remsen dear sir as it has come to the knowledge of the executive committee of the chopin society of new york that your rendition of the works of our master is unexcelled by any living performer we humbly beg of you to accept the hospitality of our association at an early date to be chosen by you our members and their guests would consider it the highest of privileges could they be permitted to hear you play such selections from chopin as you might wish to perform thanking you in advance for the great joy that you will vouchsafe to us by accepting this invitation we remain etc there lay a wan smile on tom's face as he met my gaze kind aren't they he muttered what the deuce'll i write to em winifred you can't accept of course i said confidently then i hesitated surprised at the queer gleam in tom's eyes can you i added weakly i can i suppose he remarked with an effort at playfulness there's no law against it his answer struck me as strangely unlike him if he had cried the chopin society be damned i should have felt more at ease less oppressed by a sensation of nameless dread there was something distinctly uncanny in tom's manner it would be a good joke on em wouldn't it if i should accept their bid he remarked as he lighted his cigar confound their impudence that's what they deserve but but tom would you try to to play i gasped in dismay tom laughed in a way that shocked my overwrought nerves it was a shrill unnatural note of merriment that struck me as diabolical play he repeated sardonically why not do you imagine madam that the marvellous genius of thomas remsen interpreter of frederick francois chopin is to be confined strictly to your musicals that would be a gross injustice to the music-loving world would it not but come into the library with me winifred i must resume my duties as a student of the master i followed tom mechanically fascinated by his gruesome mood for the life of me i couldn't tell whether he was joking or in earnest whether it was his mind or mine that had lost its poise End of Part 2, Chapters 3 and 4